Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Well, we're in this uh, sermon series called Victorious right now. We've been in it for about the last four or five weeks. Um, This is actually week four in the series. And we've been talking about living victoriously. What are the keys that God's given us to achieve this? How many of you want to live victoriously? Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, I feel sorry for you. Because you're a part of the crowd that never raises their hand for anything. Okay. And because if you don't want to live victoriously, what does that mean for the other side? That you want to get whipped all the time? That's acting like children, right? They just keep being bad even though they know if they'll be good, they don't get beaten. I mean, spanking. I mean, disciplined. I mean, what are the right politically correct things you're supposed to say? We all want to live that way. We want to overcome, right? I don't want to live in lack. I don't want to live underneath. I don't want to live on less. I want to live with what God has promised and no less. Proverbs says, Lord, don't, don't give me more than I need that I forget you. Don't give me so little that I forsake you, give me just enough to make it through today. We've got to be reminded that that's the God we serve. He supplies our bread today. He's there enough for today, and we can live victoriously in overcoming and that he will provide and supply. Last week, we talked about how we needed to have victorious confessions, that the confession of our mouth needed to line up with what Scripture says, amen? That we need to to be able to speak what God has put in our hearts and speak that into existence in our own lives. We talked about it from the stance of Peter declaring that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, We're going to revisit Peter a little bit later on today and see it from a little bit of a different fashion. But this week we're going to talk about vision. It's all about vision. Victorious vision. we, We can talk about vision all day long. We hear it lots of different places. Helen Keller probably said it best when she said, The worst thing, uh, there is something worse than not having your eyesight, and that's to have sight but to not have vision. To have eyesight but to not have vision for where life is intended to go. So what is vision? You hear it talked about in a lot of different angles, right? We need to have a vision for your life. We can talk about that, preach that out of Proverbs. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. They go do their own thing. We've got to have vision. We need to have a vision for the church, and we do. We need to have a vision for our personal lives, and you should. We need to have a vision for corporate life. What's the goal of this thing? The thing about churches and and believers is our mission remains the same, right? Our mission is seeking to save that which is lost, that it might come to know Jesus. Every form or every fashion. Vision is where we define what God has asked us specifically to do. Now, everybody's going to get in line with that, and you know what? That's okay, not everybody's going to like the vision God's given you for your life. You know, uh, I got uh, a whole string of text message pictures from uh, Pastor Alfredo and Kenny and their uh, homeless ministry yesterday. Uh, all the homeless people that they were feeding and providing uh, heart, uh, just basic necessity and needs of uh, yesterday, just all of the people and what they're doing. Not everybody's going to say, yes, I want to go work with the homeless. Okay. That's what God's asked them to do. They work with our Spanish ministry and they're doing amazing things. Not everybody's going to do that. We have wonderful people working in the children's ministry, amen? You should all be a big gusto, right? Because you're sitting in here, not over there. I, I am so, there's no one more thankful for Pastor Tina than this guy. Because there's some days I'm not sure I like my own children. 
I love kids and I love what they do, but I'm not called to work with them. We all have a calling. We all have a thing that God has asked, and we have a vision, and we go after that. We need to have vision. It's a good thing to have. Today, for the purposes of this message, I want to give you just some idea of where I'm going with this idea of vision. Vision is seeing past the obstacles to see the solution, to see past it. In the movie Patch Adams, there's a spot where where Patch is talking to um, this guy in the, the psychiatric ward who's a doctor, who's in the psychiatric ward, and he holds up his hand and says, how many do you see? And he's four. How many do you see? Four, four. How many of you see four? Raise your hand. You see four. There's four. four. In the movie, the doctor says, no, no, no. See past, the, see past it. See past the question and the obstacle to see the answer. And when you look past it, your fingers kind of start to blur, and all of a sudden there's eight there. Now, some of it, if you take your glasses off, that's the way you live life. Everything's a little bit fuzzy, right? Same thing, seeing past the problem to see the solution behind it. It's the idea of what we're talking about. Yes, we're not denying that there's four there, but when you see past it, you see a different answer. You see a different solution. Some of you are having a hard time seeing past the problem that's in front of you to see the solution that's just on the other side of it. For some of us, the problem is so great and seems so insurmountable that there's no way to get past it to see that it's right there. It's right there. Right there. But you've got to see past it. We're going to talk about what victorious vision looks like. We have to have sight for what is and yet still have vision for what should be. Vision also means that we acknowledge the mess that's in front of us but see it for the majesty of what could and will be. What could and will be. It could be that, and it will be that if I do it God's way. So we're going to talk about this today. So if we're going to have victorious vision, there's three things in Scripture I want to look at that I think line up and go right along with it. And they each start with need, okay? Victorious vision needs this. Victorious vision needs this. How many of you know we're all in need? We're all in need. The problem is, we don't know what we need until we know what we're not. You'll never know what you need until you know what you're not. If you're not a spiritual giant, person of prayer, you don't know that you need someone like that to help you. If you don't know how to read the Bible and glean from it, you'd never know what you need. Until we know what we're not. If you're not this, listen, you know what I'm not? I'm not very fast. I had this horrific dream the other night, horrible, horrible, horrible dream, that I was getting chased by a bear. Now, you think that's crazy? We watch these silly um, uh, uh, National Geographic shows with the kids, and a lot of times Hayes likes to watch that before he goes to bed, right? So I'm sitting there, and we're snuggling, we're watching, and there's this bear, and they're talking about grizzlies. I think of my friend Ryan Summers, who always says, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Go big or go home, Right? And so this is all playing in my mind. Well, I have this dream that all of a sudden we're in the wilderness camping, which if you know me, no, there's no way that's ever going to happen. So it's already a nightmare, right? So here I am camping in the middle of the wilderness, and it's me and my brother. Now, if you know me really well, you know there ain't no way that's happening, right? So here we are. We're camping in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden it comes to my mind. I don't have to be the fastest. I just have to be faster than you. And we're running from the bear. And that comes to my mind as my brother runs past me. All of a sudden, 
I'm, I'm caught, right? Listen, you don't know what you're not. You don't know what you need until you know what you're not. In that moment, in my dream, I needed somebody to be slower than me. And I thought for sure it would have been my brother, but it wasn't. I'm not fast. That's not my thing. But you know what? We all have areas that we are gifted at. But you need to know and be self-aware and honest so you can pray. That's the beautiful thing about it. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray because we're so caught up in being this hyper-spiritual person that we don't realize we're not there yet. Take a minute and step back and be self-aware and get alone with somebody, mainly Jesus, but secondly with a trusted brother or sister and say, help me. I need help in this. I'm struggling. And be honest about it. So uh, as we talk through this, again, there's three things. And number one, we're going to talk about Victorious Vision needs a helper. If you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Kings uh, chapter number 6, and we're going to be there in just a minute. If you want to put a marker over in Matthew 16, we'll be there in a few moments. But here in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, what, what it reveals to us is that we all need others in our lives to help us grow. We need others to help us. Can't do it alone. Never going to get where God wants you to go all by yourself. In this story, Elisha and his, uh, and his servant, they undergo this amazing moment where they're doing what God's asked them to do and what God's put in their heart. And then the preceding verses uh, to what we're going to read, what happens is every time the, the opposing king, King Aram, he comes around uh, and he's going to attack the Israelites, the Lord would reveal to Elisha this is where they're going to be. He would go to the king and the king would... Uh, put troops there and thwart King Aram's plan. And he's frustrated. King Aram is angry. And he calls all of his troops together and says, okay, listen, here's the deal. Who is it that is sympathetic to the Israelites and keeps telling them our plans? And one of his guys says, none of us are. It's Elisha's fault. He keeps praying and God keeps telling him what we're doing. What an incredible testimony that even your enemy knows that you're the reason they keep getting their tail whipped, right? Would to God that we would have a church that when you woke up and your feet hit the floor that the devil said, oh, no, they're awake. Some of you are okay with that. I wish the devil was just as scared of us going, oh, no, God's going to tell him what I'm going to do and they're going to pray about it and something's going to change. I wish that was the testimony of our church. And some of you are there with that, but that's what we need as people of prayer who hear from God just like Elisha did and say, you know what, the enemy's going to try to attack us over here. Let's amass troops there and see what God can do to see us through it. And so we need people. We need people to do what God's asked them to do and stand in the gap. Here, Elisha and his servant, they're surrounded by the king. They find out what city he's in and they go and they surround him with all kinds of troops and they're going to they're going to take him hostage and they're going to capture him and kill him. That was the goal. So they're in trouble. Elisha, not worried. Not worried at all. He looks up, his his servant comes in and says, "Oh my goodness, Elisha, come see this." And he is freaked out. The servant is scared to death. That's where we're going to pick up here in verse number 14. The difference that you'll see between Elisha and his servant is the same difference as being able to have vision and having sight. Do you have vision or do you have sight? Verse 14, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. 
Now, didn't he already see? He had already seen, right, that they were surrounded, completely surrounded by, by horses and chariots and men and spears and swords and, and, and an attacking an opposing army. And he says, let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, I don't know about you, but that's better, right? You can have horses and chariots, but if my chariots are on fire, my chariots beat your chariots all day long. So I'll take the ones on fire just like they did. Verse 18, as the uh, Aramean army advanced toward them, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. The difference is vision and sight. He saw, but he didn't really see. He could see, but he, he wasn't really seeing past the problem to see the solution. The, the army that surrounded them was surrounded by an even bigger, tougher, badder army. It, well, what they had on their side was much more, much bigger, much more amazing. I, I can see the trouble in front of me. I can see it all around me, but that does not mean that I have lost. Uh, so the servant, he could see, but Elisha saw past that. Yes, we're not denying that they're there. Elisha never denies that they're there. He simply says, see past the, the problem to see the solution. Have vision instead of just sight. See what could be. How, how many of you, I've known people that could do this. They could take an old fixer-upper. Anybody ever bought an old fixer-upper house or a car? You see this, it is just, sometimes it looks like a dump, right? And they buy it with the intent of what it could become. I know people that do that. I know people that have this ability to see it, and I don't have it. It's not in me. It's not there. I can't see this house that has run down and shambles and think, well, with just a little bit of investment, this could turn out all right. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't possess that kind of vision. Some people got it. Others don't. When it comes to that, I have good old-fashioned sight. Others have vision. At the end of the day, what I'm not doing is denying that that's the shape that it's in. I'm simply seeing the natural reality of what is because that's sight. But vision opens my eyes to see that there's something more at work in what's happening in my life because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. What's going on in me is much more important than what goes on right around me. The natural life surroundings right around me could overwhelm me at a moment's notice. At a moment's notice, I could be overwhelmed and brought down and completely made under. But you know what? Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And I will rise above that. I will stand above it and say, not this time. Because there are more on my side than are on your side. And mine have fire and yours don't. They'll whip your tail. My firepower is bigger than yours. Because King Jesus has already won the victory, amen? There are times, though, we need someone to come alongside us and to show us. Now, in the award-winning miniseries uh, called Band of Brothers, there's this scene that happens in this series. It's based on World War II and the European campaign. They follow the, the 101st Airborne Rangers and through this battle campaign. It's what the whole story is set on. Uh, it's called Easy Company. It's the, what the group is called. So as they make their way into battle, it comes upon this scene where uh, a, a troop of American forces have some of the German forces trapped. They've got them surrounded, but it's a stalemate because they've got them pinned down, but it's in their barricade. 
So all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of a stalemate, and they go back and forth for a few days, and it just remains a stalemate. Well, all of a sudden, along comes one of the easy company colonels, and he says, uh, uh, what, what do you got going on here? He says, well, we've got them pinned down, but we can't seem to get past them. He says, aha, let me show you how it's done. And he uh, places his troops in positions and just right, leads an attack that not only wins that battle, but does so with no loss of life. When it's all said and done, he comes back to the other guy and says, that's how you do it. Next time, you'll know what you're doing. Sometimes we need somebody to come along in our lives and say, you know what? This is how you do it. We need somebody to show us. that. By the way, that's the biblical model. The Bible still refers to the God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need someone more seasoned in our life, someone who's on the same playing field than us and those coming up after us to be involved in our lives to keep us planted and grounded. We need somebody who says, I don't see what you see because I've, I've been where you're at and I've learned to see it a different way. I've learned to have vision and not just sight. We all need that, including me. That's one of the reasons I love and appreciate Pastor Marvin so much. So many times he's come in my office or called and said, hey, let's go to lunch or whatever. And, and just in those moments, he just says, hey, where are you at on this and what's going on here and there? And just asking questions. And sometimes the most profound things that he says are unintentional because he has no idea what he said just registered deeply for what I needed in the moment. We all need someone like that. We need somebody who's ahead of us in the game. Not just naturally, but spiritually. Somebody who can say, you know what, that's no big deal. Don't worry about that. That mountain that you're facing, don't worry about that. It's no big deal. It's really a molehill. Once you get on the other side of it, you'll see it for what it was. We need to have vision and not just eyesight. Victorious vision sees past the problem to the one who is the solution. Did you catch that? Sees the one. Who is the solution? There's only one solution, and his name is still Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just need help to see it, though. Then there are times that Victorious Vision not only needs a helper, but it needs a reminder. You ever need a reminder? A good swift kick in the pants? I mean, a reminder? Uh, a good old attaboy patch on the back. Don't forget this. This is true, too. We all need reminders. Just like Marvin reminded me to pray for Linda Carr. I needed a reminder because I left the first reminder he gave me sitting right down there when I came up here. Listen, we all have these moments, right, where we need to be reminded of something. Now, last week in our text, we, we celebrated Peter and his, and his ability to say, you know what? God, uh, God you, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Christ. This is who you are. We celebrated him for that. But immediately following that confession, he needed a reminder that his confession that led to a new way of seeing Jesus also needed a little correction. Sometimes it's a good idea to have your eyesight checked once it's been checked and they put you in glasses, right? If you've ever had glasses, you know this to be true, that they're corrective lenses. They're intended to help you see things the way they're supposed to. Sometimes, just sometimes, you should probably get that checked out again. Don't do like a family member of mine whom I'll name, uh, leave nameless and never go get them checked out and wonder why you still can't see. Now, a couple of years ago, the doctor gave me some glasses. Travis, you need these glasses. You need to wear them to read. Anytime you're doing computer work, all that kind of stuff, 
and it would be a good idea for you to wear them at night while you're driving. Okay. So later on that evening, I happened to have them with me. I put them on. Sun was setting. It was turning into night. I couldn't see a thing. Everything was blurry. I mean, I thought my, ooh, if there was anybody around, they're, they're definitely going to be bad news. I mean, it could really go bad, right? Because the prescription was wrong. It needed to be corrected. It was not intended for that. Come to find out, he had put the wrong prescription as a whole in them. No wonder I was messed up and couldn't see with them. So when we got that back, I was, oh, I can see. And by the way, you didn't need to use them at night. You're fine at night. Just use them while you're reading. That's what you need. Okay, perfect. I can handle that. We need to have correction that comes along and straightens out what we're seeing. We need a reminder that this is the way things are supposed to be. Peter needed to be reminded that his vision, that you're the Christ, the son of the living God, has to stay on the one who it is fixed on. We can't get our vision for what God wants to do set on other things. God calls us to do things. God calls us to take his place and to fulfill a role. And you know what? If we miss the mark a little bit, we've missed the mark. We've got to go after it and do what God wants us to do. In Matthew 16, 21 through 23, we see the story here where Jesus is correcting Peter. He's reminding him, don't get off base. I'm here for a purpose. I need you to be reminded that I'm the son of God, not you. And what I say is what has to happen. Because here he is, Jesus has told him, I'm going to be uh, betrayed, I'm going to be handed over, I'm going to be crucified. By the way, don't tell anybody this. And Peter comes to him all, you know, feeling all puffed up. Yes, I got it right, you're the son of God, right? We all do this. You, you know what I'm saying. It's like all of a sudden you've heard from the Lord, right? And now your chest swells with pride and kind of walking around. You feel like you're Superman, invincible when it comes to the things of God. Right? Swelled up. <laughs> Not like swelled up, no. That's too much Mexican food right there. But like swelled up because we're muscular. Here's the thing. In that moment, Peter steps in and says, oh, no, 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 Jesus. I'm never going to allow you to be betrayed. I'll die before that happens. He says, certainly not. We'll never see that. In verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day would be raised from the dead. Oh, here comes Peter. Oh, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid that you say such things. This will never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, oh, man, get away from me, Satan. Hey, Peter, this wasn't revealed to you, by, but by my Father in heaven. Ten seconds later, get thee behind me, Satan. You talk about whiplash. In a moment's notice, Peter had gotten off base. You're the Christ. You're not going to die. Get behind me, Satan. It's just amazing the turnaround. But what Jesus goes on to say is more important. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Listen, there are times that a human point of view simply will not work. We have to see things from God's perspective. We have to see things the way God wants us to see them. 
Listen, I can want and want and want things to work out a certain way, but when it's God's perspective, that's when it matters. That's when it comes to pass. Peter here had a great moment just before that, and in a moment's notice, everything got turned around. It doesn't get any more clear than this. We have to be reminded that we have sight, but vision to see clearly requires us to see it from God's perspective. God's point of view, not my own. Now, I know some of you might be sitting there saying, yes, pastor, I agree. Amen. I'm with you. I want to see it from God's perspective. Great. How about a little um, evaluation, if you will? Pastor, I'm really struggling financially. I need some help. I've been praying. I've been asking God for his blessing, and yet I've never reexamined our spending habits or our tithing patterns. I just need a bailout. We want to hold God to his promises but never live up to our end of the deal. That's not a get-rich-quick scheme at all. That's not what tithing is all about. But how do we expect God's blessing in our life when we won't do it his way? Or what about this? Pastor, we're really having problems with our kids. We pray for them and we quote these verses at them all the time. You know, the ones like, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Yet, the evidence in our own lives for being a Christ follower outside of church is almost non-existence. I want my kids to do as I say, not do as I do. Well, Jesus didn't say this. He said, follow me, take up your cross as I will, do what I did. Paul echoed that when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Jesus said, we've got to do what he did. He said, put me first in your life, just like I put the Father first in my life. You want to see it from a new way, from my perspective? Then do what I do. Listen, if we're going to have a victorious vision, we've got to take what the Bible says and not just be a hearer of it, but we've got to be a doer also. I've got to take what this says and put it into practice in my own life in every area, including when it says that I've got to honor him first and foremost in every area of my life, which is what tithing is intended to drive home, the principle of honoring him first above and beyond everything else. Because if I can get it right in that area, it's amazing how many other areas it gets it right as well. Same thing with gossip. We shouldn't talk about people because they're not there. We shouldn't say things we don't want them to hear us to have said. We've got to keep that to ourselves and learn to control our tongues because the Bible still says in James that the tongue is a wicked little thing that can set an entire forest on fire by the fire of itself. You know what? It's amazing what it can accomplish, but we've got to learn to tame it. The Bible says we've got to put it into practice. We need a reminder that if we're going to have victorious vision, it starts with doing it his way, not my own. I've got to step up to the plate and accomplish what God wants me to do. And thirdly, thirdly, not only do we need a helper and a reminder, but we need assurance. Victorious vision needs assurance. Hebrews 11.1, 1, famous passage, it's on the screen for you. It says this, it says, faith is the confidence that, we, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Now, I picked this translation on purpose because it says it's so stinking plain. Very simple. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Pretty simple and straightforward, right? There are a lot of various translations that could lead to different meanings. It's interesting to me that 
as I studied this verse and dug deeper, what I discovered about this verse and having victorious vision and how they tie together. Now, again, vision for today's definition is this, seeing past the obstacle to see the solution, to have sight for what is and yet still have vision for what should be. We're not denying that there's a problem. We're not denying what's right here in front of us, but we're choosing to see past it to what it should be and what the Bible says it can be. Uh, vision is to acknowledge the mess in front of you, but see it for the majesty of what could and will be if we do it God's way. So this verse is very active. It's an active tense in, in the original writings. Uh, it's, it's not like saying they used to run, but it says they run. They're actively running the race, okay? That's the idea in the, in the tense of the way it was written. Um, this verse, many of your translations, the word-for-word -word thoughts like King James, ESV, NASB, those versions of the Bible, begin the verse like this. Now faith is. Now faith is. Now. I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell them, now faith is. Some of you are still not convinced. We'll get there. Now faith now, I, I don't need yesterday faith, right? I, I don't need yesterday's bread. I need today's bread. I need today's faith. I need faith for this moment today, for now. Now faith is, it's active. Today's faith is alive. Today's faith is in front of me. Today's faith is here for this moment. It's active for right now, not sometime later. Later will take care of itself. I'm going to worry about now. Now faith is what I need, and now faith is good. This is what I need in this moment. Having faith for later is very good, and we should have that. After all, we have the blessed hope that offers us assurance, that blessed assurance that Jesus is my Oh, what a Savior of glory divine. Sometimes songs just happen, right? Listen, we need that blessed assurance. We need that for tomorrow. We need hope and faith in what is and what will be and what tomorrow holds. That's what makes having faith for today count and makes faith for today work. We need faith for then and we need it for now. But without faith for now, tomorrow won't matter. We've got to have faith for this moment. Right here and right now, we need the assurance that this offers, that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I'm hoping for people to get saved, not hoping against hope, but I'm hoping that the faith in Jesus Christ is going to see that come to pass. I'm hoping that your families are going to get saved. I'm hoping that you're going to be healed. I'm hoping that, Fran, you're never going to walk in this church again breathing heavily because you can't catch your breath. I'm hoping that the word of God is going to come true today in this moment, right here and right now. We have to have faith for today. We have faith that life, the life that we're living now is going to pay off. We have to have that. Not that the, the life that we're living now is going to pay off then and tomorrow. That's what now faith does. It says that my faith and my hope in Jesus and his second coming is going to pay off then by the way I'm living now. Does your faith today pay off for your hope tomorrow? We have to have faith that denying ourselves the things the Bible says to stay away from are going to be beneficial then because of the reward that is promised for those who fear the Lord and follow the Master's command. However, I need a faith now to see past the mountain in front of me, to see the solution, the one and only Son of the living God. 
He's the object of my faith anyway. He's the author and the finisher of my faith and everything in between. So faith now offers us this beautiful confidence. Faith now offers us a beautiful confidence that what we hope for will come to pass and gives us assurance. Assurance that about the things we cannot see. Let's be honest. Sometimes I can't see the forest for the trees. Anybody else have that problem? We get so overwhelmed, we can't see the forest for all of the trees right in front of us. Sometimes we get so caught up in, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to make it through to de- to, until tomorrow when we've got to worry about living today. If we'll take care of today and trust God to take care of tomorrow, it's amazing how things work out. So I need some assurance that there is this overwhelming God like we looked at in 2 Kings that has us all completely surrounded and that his chariots are on fire ready to be there with us, that that's the overwhelming God who's going to do what he promised to do, that his promises are yes and amen. That greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I need the assurance that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I need the assurance that he takes all things and works them together for my good. Are you feeling me? I need the assurance that he will never leave me nor will he ever forsake me. I need the assurance that these really are light and temporary afflictions And they are for my good and they are producing in me the hope of glory. I need the assurance that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I need the reminder. I need the assurance. I need that, amen. I need the assurance that there is no temptation that I face today that he did not also endure and that he won't allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able to withstand and that he has already provided me with a way of escape. I need to be reminded of that. I need the assurance that it can come true and will come true and that when I don't see it, it's still just as true. That when all I can see is the problem in front of me, that the solution is right there behind me. That's what faith does. It gives us assurance that God is doing it his way. And doing it his way is the best way and it leads to victory. Now listen. Normally, you know, we have a nice little story time here to kind of tie it all together. Not today. No catchy, heartwarming story to conclude. Here's the conclusion. We have faith because of Jesus. We can have assurance because of Jesus. We can have confidence because of Jesus. We can talk about all of the stories in the Old Testament and they're true and they're wonderful, but at the end of the day, it's only Jesus who saves. It's only Jesus who heals. It's only Jesus who redeems. It's only Jesus who brings us out. It's Jesus that is your answer. He is your hope. He is the hope of glory in us. It's Jesus. We have faith because of Jesus, and he's the one that our faith is in. He's the object of our faith. Victorious vision has to take into account that if we don't have faith in him, we're missing it all together anyway. You can be a person filled with vision for life, but if you don't have victorious vision, you don't have vision for eternal life. You can't have faith in someone or something else and expect Jesus to honor that. Don't have more faith in your hot water heater to produce hot water than you do in Jesus to provide your answer. Sometimes it seems like we've been waiting on our breakthrough and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we just keep on waiting. But guess what? He's still going to come through. 
He still has what we need. Trust in him. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Travis, man, this is speaking to me deeply because I've got a problem that seems insurmountable right in front of me that today, my friend, my brother, my sister, today is for you. I don't care what it is. Medical, financial, relational, doesn't matter. He's still enough. By the way, the Bible says he's more than enough. More than. Not just enough, but more than enough. More than we could ask or imagine. More than. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Travis, this is me. I'm strong. I have a mountain in my way that I can't seem to get past. I've got a doctor's report I can't get past. I've got a family issue, a financial, whatever it is. Would you slip up a hand? Okay. Who else? All right. All right. Who else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me, re- let me give you an assurance real quick. God was not caught off guard by whatever tragedy has befallen you. He wasn't caught off guard. He's in it with you. He's there with you. So here's where the rubber meets the road. And here's what I'd like for all of us to do. If you would, all across the room, I'd like for every person to please stand to your feet. As you're standing to your feet, I'm going to ask our elders and prayer team, go ahead and make your way down here to the altar. Here's where the rubber meets the road, family. Here's where the rubber meets the road. If you need someone to come alongside you, and to help you see that there's more on your side than are against you, then the prayer team is here for you. If you need someone to help you remember to keep your eyes on Jesus, our prayer team and elders are for you. If you need someone to offer assurance that your faith is not in vain and that God is on your side, then the prayer team and our elders are here for you. Listen, if you raised your hand or you should have, you're saying, man, I need that. I need God to do this in my life. I need to see pastor. We want to invite you now. If you raised your hand or you should have, we want to pray with you. Would you get out of your seat and begin to make your way this way as the prayer worship team sings? And if you've come, let us pray with you. Go ahead. We're going to pray with you. Go ahead. Come on. If you raised your hand, you got a mountain in your way and you need God to move it. You need to see past it to see the answer. Get out of your seat and make your way. God will do it. God will accomplish it. Come on.